1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Parastyle podcast on a Tuesday. Got to talk to USC Trojans football with Keely Yor. Does a great job covering the Trojans here at uscfootball.com. Follow her on Twitter at Keely is my name. We got to talk about the schedule. I know we've had a couple of podcasts already talking about the schedule. We'll, we'll get into a little bit, but some of the nuances of the schedule, where it could be good for USC, where there's some potential traps for the Trojans. And If you have any questions or comments, As always, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call us, 424-254-9141. Leave it a voicemail or sending us a text. But we really like if you could go on any of your Apple products, go to the Apple Podcasting app, leave us a five-star rating, any kind of positive reviews. We love those. It really does help grow the show. And, Keely, welcome in. I wanted to see if we have any new uh, reviews on the Apple Podcasts
2: hello hello we do indeed ryan we have a new one from slg 480 who says uh he titled it the authority with five stars thank you for that and i believe he says if you are looking for recipes ideas tips and holiday home dining favorites regarding trader joe's this is the podcast for you solid college football recruiting news as well so thanks for that slg
1: (laughs) yeah thanks for that one and you know we do want to thank trader joe's they've been a great sponsor for us i just walked over there so full disclosure I'm gonna to try to do a big hike again this weekend. I got some new hiking boots, shoes, like they like halfway. They're like uh, mid tops or whatever. Uh, over at REI, I come in and get. I want to. I'm gonna work them out a little bit before I do the hike. I'm not gonna go hike really this week, but I wanted to take a walk. So I walked to Trader Joe's today to pick up some stuff for lunch. I picked up some uh, gnocchi and, uh, and a tomato sauce. It was great. Made that before I came over here to do the show. But also, remember those little uh, dark chocolate cookie sticks I talked about? I had to pick those up and get some of those. Those are really good. They're really light with a little chocolate on them. So if you haven't tried those, Keely, you could try them out. They're really good.
2: Very nice. And let me just make sure I got this correct. You walked to Trader Joe's in your hiking boots?
1: I walked in my hiking boots, yeah. So, nice. I'm got to, to break them in. in. And yeah. then I walked to the, the the studio here, the office, to do, uh, <laughs> to do the podcast. So, and I might take a little walk afterwards. I got to break them in a little and make sure I like them, uh, you know, doing these hikes. So we'll see. I'm not, I usually have like the low top things and I wanted to try these out. I don't know. We'll see. I've been doing too much hiking lately. Well, not too much, but whatever. It, That's my pandemic thing. I like play golf and go hiking.
2: Very nice. Is it like a, a baseball glove? Or are you going to sleep in your, your, your boots too? <laughs>
1: I've heard you can do something like that similar, oh, you wow. know, where you like beat them joking. up a little, but I'm not going to sleep at them. No. The baseball <laughs> okay. glove, would always like, you know, you'd put a baseball in it and wrap it like in a cord or something and,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, put it in the oven, run it over with your car, whatever you got to do. You got to try to work those things in.
2: Yeah. Do what you got to do. Very yeah. nice.
1: But thanks to Trader Joe's. They've been uh, great to us. And we got to talk about, we'll, you know, we'll briefly go over the schedule and there's some, you know, nuances to it. We want to discuss uh, a little bit. Um, I know, Keely, I listened to you. I'll give you a plug on the Family Feud podcast. And you had some good, there's some good takes I liked of yours. And there were some takes that, eh, I could have taken or leave them. But we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about those. Um, so the schedule is out. The big announcement came on Fox uh, announcing that USC would open the season against Arizona State for the big new kickoff on Fox. That's the 9 a.m. game. We'll talk about that. In a bid against Arizona State. A um, couple of road games in a row. Really, the only true road games are week two, week three at Arizona and Tucson, at Utah, in Salt Lake City. And then from then on, you're in LA. You got Colorado at home, Washington State on a Friday night in the Coliseum. That's the uh, crossover game. Not, a, not a, a difficult one. It shouldn't be. And then UCLA and the Rose Bowl. So you're just looking at that schedule. You go from Alabama, Notre Dame, in Eugene against Oregon, Washington, the four toughest games, Keila, you could argue, are all gone.
2: Oh, of course. I mean, I another plug, I said it on the Family Feud podcast, but the schedule continues to get easier and easier for, for Clay Helton. I mean, just look at the first iteration to the third. I mean, I titled the podcast USC Could Go 6-0. I mean, I know people are groaning at that, but this is a very manageable schedule for USC. Maybe besides, you know, the first game at 9 a.m. against ASU that could probably decide the, the South Division. This is manageable. Like, I, it's we had speculation about who USC's crossover team was going to be, whether or not the PAC 12 was going to protect its best teams. And, and so luckily USC avoids Oregon in that sense. So this is a doable schedule, Ryan.
1: I think it's definitely doable. And I think they did protect the best teams. There was one little screw up where you have Arizona state, which is a contender in the South and Cal, who I think is a contender in the North. Uh, they sort of gave Stanford the, the edge over Cal and Stanford, uh, you know, Stanford ends up um, playing Colorado, which that's two kind of bottom dwellers. I, I just think Stanford's going to continue to tank a little bit. They've had a lot of opt-outs and Cal, they're, they're sort of getting credit for the, the kind of, you know, Rose Bowls and stuff that they had from the past. They're not that team anymore. And uh, Cal is more of the up and coming team, but you could look at it in a different way that if it makes a run, or Cal makes a run that's going to help their strength of schedule for, you know, having a team like that, uh, a contender where Washington state doesn't really help uh, USC that much. I get, you don't want USC to play Oregon, but if they would have played a Cal, that would have, you know, would have kind of boosted things up a little bit. Cause USC is a team that, you know, like you said, there's no reason they can't go six and zero. And then if you win the championship, I mean, you're at least in the discussion of the college football player, if you're an undefeated team, but I think having a, a Cal, or a Washington on the schedule, not that you'd want to do that, but having that, that kind of uh, resume booster would be better than having a Washington state where you got a, a bunch of guys that have opted out, you know, a whole new coaching staff, Nick Rolovich coming in, not a single day of spring practice to rely on. So it's yeah. uh, like you said, it's just not that daunting of a schedule looking at it on paper.
2: Yeah, but I mean, like from those who are making the decisions at the College Football Playoff Committee, will they really respect a Washington or a Cal? I think it's just all a moot point, really.
1: Yeah, I, well, in, I was listening to Dave Bartu. Uh, who's, uh, he does the College Football Matrix on Twitter, and he was on with uh, the Bald Face Truth with Kanzano. I'm going to actually try to get him to come on our podcast of champions. He has some of the same views that I do on expanding the playoffs and what it means, but uh, he felt like, it made sense not to have Oregon and SC play, but otherwise, you know, why does Oregon have to play UCLA? It's really not going to help them at all. Unless somehow UCLA gets above 500, getting a quality win would be beneficial. So if Oregon could have played an Arizona state or they could have played a Utah or something, a team that you probably would have a above 500 record, it would help their, their, you know, boost their schedule a little bit. It's not, necessary to get just the easy win. It's really, you You only have seven games. You want to have some more opportunities yeah. to do that. But he said, so in his mind, just don't have SC play Oregon, but to have other games that are pretty good to help these teams a little bit. And that's, if you're focused on the college football playoff, I think that's probably the smart way to go, but you, you don't know. It's a COVID year. Their, games could get missed. Washington state could be pretty good. I mean, we, I mean, we just don't know at this point. I don't think UCLA is going to be pretty good, but uh, for USC, maybe Washington state makes a little run. They have three home games against their toughest opponents, Oregon, Washington, and Cal. So they have all those teams at home. So maybe they win one or two of those and then they look like a better team. Uh, you know, if they have already beaten Oregon by the time USC plays them in week five, that would help your resume a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, of course. And I feel like the thing is, is I, I from what I heard Trying to schedule this whole thing and make sure it worked with all twelve teams was a nightmare, especially when they were trying to preserve the home and away split. So I think this was the best they could do. I mean, who knows? We really don't know, Ryan. it's it's a wild season and I, I mean, we don't even know if seven games will be played. So you just gotta cross your fingers if you're a USc fan and hopes it all hope it all holds together and that it's a impressive wins for USC.
1: Yeah, you got to hope it holds together. I one of the you know when I tried to predict the season, I thought they would go. They would only pull from uh, their 2.0 schedule and they would only take those kind of games, but they really opened it back up. So that crossover game could have been anybody. And, uh, you know, one aspect you don't have to worry about, well, you know, what if it was uh, Washington or, you know, or, 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 you know, Washington, you know, USC needed a home game. Um, you know, what did Washington, what could Washington uh, bring to the table there, you know, You've already played them in the Coliseum. Would you play them in the Coliseum Uh, again? You know, but but Washington needed a home game too, so that wouldn't work out. But sometimes you're just like, well, what would be the best uh, path? And I think they, I I think it was smart to open it up and just say, all right, well, you can play anybody, uh, and then figure it out for 2021. Try not to disrupt the 2021 season if you possibly, you know, if at all possible, don't disrupt that. And I think by doing it this way, there's going to be some odd games this year, but it's only one. And then, you know, going forward, you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, playing the same team three years in a row uh, in the same venue.
2: Yeah, exactly. There were also some upgrades that I think USC got lucky on. One, they're not having a back-to-back Friday game like a lot of teams in the conference are having. And usually USC is the one who gets kind of the weird schedule oddities. And they also switched because they were supposed to play Utah at home or at Utah. Uh, on a Friday night, that's no longer the case. They're playing on a Saturday in Rice-Eccles Stadium, and they're having a wazoo at home on a Friday. So I think those are little things that might not seem like a big deal right now, but in a seven-game season when you're trying to save as much energy and, and have as much stamina as, as you possibly can, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah,
1: you know, I think you're right. I think it does. And, uh, you know, there's there's a couple teams. There's some teams that have multiple Friday games, you know. Uh, Utah's got a Friday uh, on the road after a home game. So, I mean, that's a, a, you know, a quicker turnaround. Uh, Washington State has back-to-back uh, Friday games. Oregon even has back-to-back uh, Friday games. One's home and then one's against you know, Oregon State, so it's not that big of a, a, a road trip. So there's some weird ones in there. UCLA has back-to-back Friday games, and one of them is on the road at Oregon after playing Utah. So that's enough fun. Um, but USC, like you said, only has one of them. The the weird one and and at least you know it because it's the opener uh, is the 9 a.m. kickoff. There was rumors of it last year. Uh, there was going to be a lot of difficulties because having fans try to come to a game that's at 9 a.m. is difficult. Where do you tailgate? Can you even do any of that stuff? There's going to be it would mess with a lot of the traditions. But I get why they're doing it and just for the, the big noon kickoff, Fox was really trying to push their pregame show. That was an hour last year. Or two, I think that they bumped it to two. Um, you know, they've done a good job with urban Meyer and, and Matt and Reggie Bush. Uh, you know, you got all those guys there and, you know, Brady Quinn has joined and, and Rob stone's hosting things, but they really wanted to focus on that noon game noon on the East coast, 9. AM here, which traditionally when you wake up on, you know, it's it, you watch game day or whatever, and then, What game comes on ESPN? It's like, oh, it's uh, Virginia, Wake Forest. Great, okay, that's a good one. Or it's Purdue and you know, and uh, you know Maryland, and you're like, all right, like it's really not something you're gonna watch it because it's college football. So what Fox wanted to do is put a premier game in that spot. So for a Pac-12 team to play in it, it wasn't going to be like when Shotgun said Arizona versus uh, Colorado or Washington State or something like. It wasn't going to be that. It would have to be a good matchup. And, you know, when you take away some of the better matchups like USC and Washington or USC and Oregon, USC, Arizona state is a, is a good one to open with. Um, and I feel like in this situation, you know, without any fans, you need some kind. you need to like start off with a bang for the season because it's, that's going to be a really long two weeks, Keely from when the big 10 starts and the mountain West starts and the PAC 12 still hasn't started. You got to come out with a bang. You got to get with something, some kind of energy, and having that 9 a.m. game, seeing these teams for the first time, having the two, you know, two of the best returning quarterbacks uh, in the in the uh, conference. No offense to Chase Garbers over at Cal. Uh, I think that's, you know, there's you know, Herm Edwards and Clay Helton. I, I think this makes sense. And you might see one team better prepared than the other. We we just don't know. But I I don't have an issue with the 9 a.m. game. I wouldn't like to see it if fans are going to be there. But for this year, you get weird, and I don't mind them getting weird in something like this.
2: I wouldn't test this year getting weirder, Ryan. That's all I have to say (laughs) on that front. No, I mean, you say this is a good thing. Who is this a good thing specifically for, though, Ryan?
1: So I think for the conference in general, um, you do need to make up as many tier one television games as you can. And all 36 of these games that are announced are tier one. So they're part of Fox or ESPN. So That makes up, I think it's a $275 million chunk of the TV package for the year. So you make up most of that. Because I think there used to be like 42 or 43 games like that. Plus, you still have the championship week game. So there's more games there. So getting a game that would get a lot of eyeballs on it, really starting off the Pac-12, hopefully on a positive note, uh, I think it's a positive thing. And for USC and, and Arizona State, I mean, This is this is a great opener. This is really could decide the Pac-12 South, and I I feel like you need to make some sort of splash. And this is you know this is a way you're able to do that. You're going to get good you know uh, TV ratings on this game. There's going to be people that were curious about oh, what's the Pac-12 going to look like, and would they have turned in you know tuned in for Arizona or Washington State? No, but for this one, I think you will. And I think you're still going to get plenty of Pac-12 after dark. That's the brand, right? Like, that's what's missing right now. Like, if you watch some of those games and it's like 7 p.m. on the West Coast and there's really no other games on, and you're like, Wait, what's missing? Like, oh, yeah, there could be two or three Pac-12 games on right now. Um, those will still be around. But to mix one of those in, that's why you got a bunch of those Friday games, to try to get as many eyeballs as you can and salvage what you can from the TV contract. That's sort of where I'm going with this.
2: Yeah, I mean, you make good points, and I agree with some of them. I just don't think the whole goal for the conference is to get people outside of the conference to look at the Pac-12. The problem is that I just don't think the conference's brand is strong enough right now. I think the people who are normally watching, you know, the Big Ten, the Big 12 in this time slot are going to continue to do that. I I don't know unless you're an avid, like, full-on all five conferences fan you might check into usc uh asu but i don't know i just don't think and i feel like the pac-12 fans itself they're not going to want to get up at 9 a.m to watch asu usc maybe they will i don't know i just think the brand of pac-12 after dark is much stronger than trying to force something in the morning and so that that's just my opinion and the thing is is from a usc perspective first off if usc played better We wouldn't even have to talk about them being in a consideration for a 9 a.m. slot. They would probably push them up to a better time slot because it's USC, but that's not really where the USC brand is right now. And second of all, this is likely the matchup that might decide the Pac-12 South Division. And so now you're going to have them open their first game, their first, like, full contact with another team in the last, like, at that point, we'll be like nine months. At 9 a.m., it just doesn't seem like a great spot to put your team in, let alone the two teams in your Southern division that you want to succeed. I don't know. To me, it just seems it seems a little gimmicky and overvaluing the brands of, of Pac-12 in that matchup. I don't know. I can see how it's appealing to some people, but at the same time, these are teams that are starting out with without a record. There's not really a rivalry between the two, and... You know, there's there's other things going on at the at the same time slot. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a pessimist. I just think it's – I guess you can try this and see if it works since it's such a wacky year. I just don't like putting this matchup at such a early time period.
1: No, I get what you're saying. And I think because you've had to shoehorn a season in, there's not going to be a whole lot of time to sort of, like, ramp up. Uh, you know, there's it's not a really hard schedule. You could have put Arizona first. You could have put Colorado first and get – USC warmed up. I think if you're USC, you're at a disadvantage in this matchup because the Arizona health restrictions were a lot less. Uh, Chris Cartman did a really good piece over at sun devil, uh, you know, at the, the sun devil site for 24 seven sports and um, talking about how much work and preparation they were able to put in 11 on 11 stuff. Now they, you know, they got a returning quarterback and they got a bunch of good skill guys and stuff, but they've replaced both coordinators. So having, 11 on 11 field time, I think makes a big difference. So it's not a, a, a great matchup for USC, just as far as like, do you feel like there's an advantage there? I think the advantage goes to Arizona state. And I agree with you. It's a super important matchup. I just don't know if you have the, I mean, it, there's just not, there's not a lot of wiggle room. this You, know, you only got the six games. You got to do something to try to get eyeballs in there. And I think this will, and it's not, I, I don't want people to look at it as a, it's a bad time slot for a West coast person. But as far as like important time slots, this is Fox's most important. Like this is one they're going to get behind. They want this to be their premier game of the week. So it helps having, you know, two good decent brands in the PAC 12. They're not as good as they normally are, but they're good enough. And USC is good enough that Fox would want them in this, their premier time slot with their, you know, Joel Clatton, and Gus Johnson and those guys. So maybe we don't look at it as like the the premier time slot, but that's what Fox is trying to make this. So they're at least valuing this game, which is a good thing. You know, you, it could be the point where USC and Arizona state wouldn't be enough to carry this game and they wouldn't even invite you to it. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, I think it also matters just which perspective you're looking at. I mean, if you're looking at a Pac-12 perspective, I think this makes sense. And if Fox is going to give you a priority, then I think you you definitely take it. I just think from a USC perspective, it just doesn't Bode well for them, given the history we know about Clay Helton teams. They usually start out slow, even if it's against a Western Michigan or UNLV, um, and they're a little sluggish, especially in the earlier time frames of 11 and noon, from what we've seen in prior seasons. So. I mean, it will be interesting. And here's the thing. If USC wants to be the team that they are touting, I mean, Elijah Griffin went on uh, Trojans Live last Monday or this past Monday and said, you know, I think we're going to be one of the greatest defenses in the nation. If you're going to say that, you could play at 2 a.m. and you'll be fine. But I don't know if, if they have that in them at this point. You know, we'll see. But I don't know. It will put – they're putting a lot on the line, USC is, with what they're saying about this defense and how ready they will be. And I guess we'll see it at 9 a.m., <laughs>
1: We will. And that, that was a really good point you brought up on the family feud is that USC doesn't, doesn't tend to be a, a fast starting team. And that's under normal circumstances when you've had spring football and you've had all the summer workouts to, to be in a position where, uh, you know, they're reportedly going to start practice on Friday and get their you know fall camp thing rolling really for the first opportunity to have an, a, a way to install Todd Orlando's new defense with all 11 guys on the field facing off of against 11 guys, that that opportunity hasn't been around before where Arizona state has done that quite a bit. And, you know, talking to people there, they got more of like 11 on 11 work, not tackling, but 11 on 11 work than they would in a normal season. Cause the NCAA allowed the 20 hours a week, which you normally get during the season over the summer, because you didn't have the spring football and they could take advantage of all of that. Like USC, I think maximized, what they were allowed to do as far as like, they kept players on campus. They kept doing their workouts. They didn't have positive tests, whatever like California allowed them to do and LA County allowed them to do, they maximized that. The problem is Arizona state did the same thing and they were allowed to do a hell of a lot more. So between USC having, you know, traditionally been a slow starting team and Arizona state being well-prepared, we talked about this on tunnel vision, I didn't want to see, you know, if I'm a USC fan, I don't want to see Arizona State. That's the one team I don't want to see first, and that's who they're seeing first. So it's uh, this could be easily their toughest game. I would venture to say, even you know, outside of Utah on the road, I would say this is going to be the toughest game, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on the coaching staff to get this team ready to play right away. There's not, there's no warm up. There's no Western Michigan. There's no UNLV. There's no Fresno State. This is. The, you're probably, your are you arguably your toughest game right out of the gate. And you're at a little bit of a disadvantage playing at 9 a.m. You know, that's one thing. But playing against a team that definitely had a lot more time on the field in 11-on-11 11 11 situations to prepare their new coordinators versus what you could do with your new coordinator.
2: Exactly. That's what I was about to say is that keep in mind, Arizona has two new coordinators, um, or coordinators new corners on both sides of the ball so you're not going off of any tape that you've seen last year USC's defense didn't even get to see quarterback Jaden Daniels so it's not like they have experience with that and then you have to make sure that your defense is ready to go game time first game of the season you know for arguably your most important game you know I still think Utah at Utah is always a struggle for USC and historically has been outside of Lane Kiffin in 2012 but you know it's gonna it's kind of the first game is gonna dictate how the season goes. and USC could very well go five and one. but the thing is is the the margin for error is so small that one loss could be it. and you could just be you couldn't even win the South or clinch the South division this season, which I mean is gonna be a failure for USc in my opinion. So it's if they're touting that this is a great defense and they're going to be ready to play and that they're prepared. And if they are, we'll see it. We'll see it on week one, November 7th.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If you're wondering Zach Hill came over from Boise state, it's going to be the first year as the offensive coordinator. So he'll coach Jaden Daniels, who like Keely said, USC didn't see last year. Antonio Pierce has been on staff. He's sharing the defensive coordinator uh, role with Marvin Lewis, who's coming in his first year on the staff. So uh, that'll be interesting. I think they're going to run more of a traditional, like four man front. Uh, where they had more of like a three three five, so it might be more NFL-y uh, we're seeing from from there. But um, yeah, it's uh, you mentioned expectations, and the more I think about it, I mean, you guys were talking about six and zero. There is certainly to me no reason that this team shouldn't be six and zero. I was like trying to like rank like records. Uh, Chris Trevino did like a poll of what USC's record uh, would be. Like if I had to bet on something, I'd probably bet on five and one, but. Um, any, I would put like six and O oh is, is almost like, I wouldn't even say great. I would say that that's good. Like, that's what you should be. Um, five and one, it'd be like, meh, you know, yeah. and anything less than that is like a disaster to me. Um, you know, you want to lose two games uh, on the schedule? Like, no, like, I don't think that's, I don't think that's acceptable. If you look at the rosters and you look at the, the, the amount of talent that these teams have, I mean, you're playing a Colorado team. That's, you know, had three head coaches in the last three years. It's like, come on, that's not going to be. You know, that that should not be a game. I mean, Arizona, they they would have got rid of Kevin Sumlin if they if they could have. Utah's lost so many guys. Even Arizona State lost a lot of production. You like watch Brandon Ayuk scoring touchdowns in the NFL. You know, Benjamin, they, they lost some big time production there too.
2: Yeah. And
1: Washington State, you know, complete new coaching staff, didn't have any spring football. UCLA's a dumpster fire. Like, how do you like justify not winning? At least five games looking at the schedule. It's just, it's hard. Like, do you lose to Arizona State and Utah? If you do, that's, to me, that's a disaster. Like, those other four games are almost, they should be gimme wins. For, like, to be four and two, I don't think uh, that's nowhere near good enough.
2: No, not at all. I mean, this is a put up or shut up season in more ways than one. And I get that it's such a weird season. And USC has been constrained by so many guidelines, both at the county and state level. But, you have the pieces around you. You spent the offseason improving the defensive staff. You have a proven offensive coordinator in Graham Harrell. Keaton Slovis uh, improved his stock so much in 2019. This is kind of no excuses. You know what you need to do, and you have the third uh, iteration of your schedule that is much more favorable for you. It's time to, to, to take care of business and, and to do it. And so, I mean... I don't know. I know I keep saying it, but I think, I think we'll see how the season goes in that first week. If they can take care of business and not have a traditional slow start, you know, we don't hear the things about from Clay Helton about how this team will look better. I mean, it will already be in November at that point, but they'll look better by the end of the season. Like you don't have that window. If you're Clay Helton, it's you have to look good week one, November 7th, or else it's, it's just a bust of a season.
1: Yeah, completely. That would be a bust of the season. Um, USC, you know, we've heard about some opt outs and opt ins. Oregon's lost players, got some back. Um, Stanford lost some guys. I mean, we've seen guys kind of pop back and forth. Cal got a, gets a guy back. Uh, we did hear, I think uh, Ryan Carsey reported that Jay Tefele was not thinking about returning. Uh, there's a little bit more optimism, I guess you could say, out there for an Elijah Vera Tucker, which would be huge. Probably a you know would be a really big deal for this USC offensive line. Uh, you know, we'll see. I know Shotgun posted some kind of cryptic stuff. You've been talking about some stuff, Keely. What, what are your thoughts on if uh, Elijah Vera Tucker could come back?
2: Um, I put in the war room a couple weeks ago that he hadn't hired a agent, which obviously makes it much easier for her, him to return uh, compared to J Two Fele. I will say there is optimism. I definitely got word of some optimism over the weekend. So uh, just stay tuned. That's what I have to say. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's that's good. I mean, give him a that would be. For this usc offense and even it'd
3: if, be huge if,
1: yeah if he comes back then it's like six and oh or bust like there's no reason you shouldn't you should lose a game if, if that offense and you still have him and a bunch of other starters like you can you could put something together on that offensive line without him i think there's a pretty big hole but you fill in that left tackle spot and everything else you know you can put deed somewhere jim in somewhere uh vorhees is back i think you've got some opportunities to to do things but Elijah Tucker to me is like sort kind of like key on the left tackle without him. Now you're replacing your left guard and your left tackle. And it's sort of like, OK, what do you do? You know, um, there's options, yeah. but not a lot of options. And really, yeah. there's just no there was no succession plan for left tackle, yep. especially with no uh, AVT.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, this would be huge. Uh, USC, I believe, according to ESPN, is favored in every game right now. But that offensive line is just such a glaring issue because we don't even know what the pieces will look like. We got kind of an idea in uh, the one and only spring practice in March, but that was with AVT. Now we're looking with nothing official yet. We're looking at no AVT right now. You're replacing uh, Drew Richmond. You're replacing Avt and you're replacing Austin Jackson. That's three major positions, and USC just doesn't have the developed talent to really plug those holes easily. And so you're coming in with an offensive line with no real chemistry, and you have to figure that out in four weeks. So to have a guy like Avt back on the line would just be huge for USC because you're you're solving one. <laughs> you're putting out one fire. Now you got to take care of two other on the, on the line.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. It's like the California wildfires, like spreading like crazy out there. So that you can, uh, you'll have one fully contained if you bring ABT back, which would be uh be positive, but you mentioned the four weeks and there's been some hints. We've heard Clay Helton. I think Jordan Moore mentioned like practice beginning Friday. I think Clay Helton originally said October 9th, even a couple weeks ago when this was coming out and that would be this Friday for camp to start. Um, we haven't got any word as far as, is there going to be media access? How we're going to be able to, could we come and watch? We just don't know at this point. So uh, we're waiting to see. We might not hear until later in the week, um, but we'll let you know when we find out what we can do. But at this point, Keely, I, I'm thinking early on, we wouldn't be able to watch, but there'll probably be kind of the Zoom meeting situations where we can talk to players or coaches and kind of get a feel for what happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think we're so uh, star for information that I'll take Zooms with players at this point I mean I would love to go to practice and be able to watch that uh, but I just don't think it seems feasible this year but I, I think we talked about on this podcast earlier Ryan how I, I believe it was Pete Samson who took like little clips of video that Notre Dame gave him and like analyzed every scene so if USC gives us any video that's going to be me I'm going to have my like magnifying glass and s- trying to pick up any type of info we can get through those videos but yeah I mean it'll be interesting to, to get back into the swing of things and and Start uh, talking to players and see what what the season will look like.
1: And when we got to talk with Mike Bone, um, I believe it was after they announced that the Pac-12 was coming back, um, he made it pretty clear that hey, this was something that they're open. They want to they want to try to be accommodating. Uh, There's some issues to get through. One thing being campus is closed, so you can't you'd have to we'd all have to get exceptions if we had to come to campus for anything. Um, so that's one thing. Would they practice over in an empty Coliseum where you're going to play? I don't know. Maybe they'd want to do that. Uh, And, you know, then it would be easier. Like, I mean, that would be a way for the media to come and check things out. And everyone spread out, you know. Like, maybe you do that.
2: That'd be nice. I mean, they've had practices in the Coliseum before, and we've done that type of, like, we've sat in across the way in different seats. I mean, it could be very doable and also practice for game day if they let us come.
1: Yeah. And then even for for game days and media availability and access. Yeah, the press box would, you you couldn't have all the seats filled in the press box, but there's plenty of places in that building that you could sit in as a media person and watch. So um, there are some opportunities there. And the good thing is it seems like the new administration is definitely open to exploring those.
2: Yeah. It seems they seem much more aware of, the media and how it ultimately helps them in the long run to have a good working relationship with the media. So it seems like they're trying, but I know that it's, it's kind of hard considering things are closed and we it's not like they can test us every day. So we, it's a lot of hurdles to jump through.
1: Yeah. We'll make sure you guys are all checking out the site. Um, we're putting up a bunch of you know content related to the schedule. I just put up like a quickie uh, preview of USC and Washington state. I did the crossover game first. Cause that was the one, most people are interested in, but we'll put stuff up uh, for all the different games and different, you know, what it means. We'll certainly get into a routine of previewing games too. We're going to uh, have a podcast we haven't talked about Keely, yet, but we might, maybe you and I will both interview, um, you know, a, a beat writer or a publisher from a, you know, the two four seven site from whatever team USC's playing and kind of do that. Um, we're not going to do uh, the, you know, we were doing a pregame show on uh, the, the flagship station, Last year, we're not going to do that. There was a lot of production that went into that, but we'll continue the the kind of preview podcast that we were doing. And I think that should be fun. But yeah, if you want to be involved, Keely, you can do it with me.
2: Sure, of course. <laughs>
1: yeah, and that, that's always that's good, good to like talk to. Uh, I try to stay up on the whole Pac-12 anyway, but you get an idea of you know injuries and you know if there was any position battles and things like that. Uh, it'll be interesting to start with Arizona State and really get a feel for what they've been able to do. Uh, over the summer, uh, implementing new systems, uh, what it's looked like, and it's going to surround Jane Daniels, who's the most, you know, highly touted quarterback recruit that Arizona State's ever had, and USA didn't get to see him last year, really. So it'll be, it'll be, I think that's going to just be a really fun matchup. So I'm, I'm looking forward to our first preview show with that.
2: Yeah, me too. I mean, I would listen to your preview shows like on the drive to games, Ryan. Right? They're must listen. So I'm glad you're bringing them back.
1: Yeah, we're definitely going to do those. And uh, they're always fun. So, um, all right, anything else, Keely, before we, we take a little break?
2: I think we're good. Just, you know, looking for all the storylines for fall camp and what we can get out of this weird time period of trying to cover football in a pandemic.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely weird. All right, well, let's take a quick <laughs> break and uh, we'll be back answering your questions. <laughs> All right, we're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Uh, I used to play this drop on the podcast of champions, but I like it so much. I'm going to play it here.
3: Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always death.
1: Such a good Simpsons <laughs> drop. I love it. Uh, you want to start with the voicemail? It's, sure, it's let's Arizona start. State related. So let's, uh, let's okay. play this one, and uh, then we'll get to some of the
3: emails. Hey, Peristyle. It's Anthony in L.A. And I just have a quick take um, regarding the ASU opening game. You know, I know it's uh, a lot going with this 9 a.m. game. And, you know, this is looking like our biggest challenge. The fact that we're playing a lot of guys, a system that, you know, we're not too familiar with, with Jaden Daniels at the lead. But I got to say, I think our talent offensively with a proven system and our talent and experience on defense just shreds. Any doubt going against ASU, I I don't see where they come strategically um, in that opening game have any kind of advantage against us. We have a proven offensive system, talent across the board on both sides, and I think we just are going to win with a dominant fashion. But that's my take. Guys, uh, keep it going. Have a good one and fight on.
1: Thanks, Anthony, for that one. I mean, he brings up a good point, Keeley. What's USC's strength? I mean, you got Graham Harrell back, all these guys back. If if, if AVT comes back, uh, I like the you know I like the matchup with Arizona State. You know, and breaking in a new defense, going back to like a t- more traditional four-three. I think like the this kind of air raidy sort of offense can kind of shred that at times. So yeah, I I like this uh, matchup. You got to go with your strength, and that's why. We were saying the expectation is going to be so high earlier. There's going to be some advantages that Arizona state has, but I think USC is still more talented. And I think the USC offense will be the best unit on the field.
2: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong in my arguments about 9am games. Like I definitely think USC has the talent to defeat ASU. The thing is, and this has been the paradox with kind of the clay Hilton era is USC has had the talent. USC has had the ability to take care of its opponent yet. We see things like turnovers, penalties, not really playing up to the level of talent that they, they have, you know, playing down to their opponent, things where they look unprepared. You know, there are things where it just doesn't make sense when USC hits the field and it kind of just goes all wrong. So this is my views on this is kind of factoring in the the Clay Helton <laughs> factor, if you will, because, you know, I just like I said, this has been a team historically under Clay Helton that has not started strong and has looked uh, just, just not put together in the first game, you know. So it's, it's going to be a test of tradi- what has traditionally happened and what USC wants to happen, and I don't know what's going to win out necessarily.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the Clay Helton factor is always going to be in there. I mean, certainly we have plenty of listeners, plenty of fans on USCfootball.com. No matter what I do, I put up a, a story. Oh, Clay Helton was interviewed talking about this. And there's all these negative posts. There's all these, you know, negative emails. Whatever it is in their mind, that's like the Clay Houghton factor. But when you look at it as a whole, they're still the most talented team. They're going to be, like you said, they're going to be favored in every game. Are some of those fans going to be upset if USC goes six and Oh, but just kind of looks wishy-washy through some of these games that could certainly happen. Um, I, I don't think they're going to look go six and Oh and look like amazing through the whole thing, but I could see them look going six and Oh and still be like kind of shaky. Uh, it's just not that difficult a schedule now. And I think your talent's going to show through, but that opener is the one where you have to make sure your talent is clicking. And we've seen before USC come out against teams that are much less talented than they were and play a game that was close, play a game that you needed a, a turnover or something at the end to, to win it. And I don't, if, if that's the case, if you play a game like that, I don't think you end up beating ASU if they come out and play a good game. Um, so that's where it is. But Anthony, you're, I mean, I agree with him. This offense is going to be the best unit on the field and the defense could be, you know, one of the most talented, but they're breaking in a new system. We'll we'll see uh, what happens, but it's going to be it's going to be a fun one to watch. Get up early, make your breakfast burrito, whatever you like to do. And uh, and watch this one with a mimosa or a Bloody Mary or whatever you want to do. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, if you're a USC fan, you're hoping that, you know, you know, Graham Harrell has kind of proven himself last year. The offense looked much better than it did compared to, you know, the, the five and seven season. You're hoping that the defensive changes is kind of the same thing where maybe that, that cancels out the Clay Hilton factor. And I know there are people groaning being like, well, if you're trying to cancel out the head coach, what does that mean? I know. But this is the this is where USC is at right now. So they
1: yeah. have no control <laughs> over who they hire and fire. Sorry, that's not, you know. Yep. We can just talk about who's there, and he's he's there. But,
2: yes. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's go to an email from our buddy Steve in Poway, who says, Could USC play an earlier game if they wanted to? Dear Ryan and Keeley, thank you for the podcast. Well, you're welcome, Steve. He says, I understand the Pac-12 schedule is is what it is, but – is there a prohibition against any Pac-12 team essentially adding to that and starting their season earlier than the official start date of November 7th, say, with a non-conference opponent like North Dakota State or BYU? If the justification for the extremely, he puts a lot of emphasis on that, late start of the season with zero pads in the schedule, or zero pad in the schedule as far as bi-week, etc., is, uh, is that some teams wouldn't be ready until then? Why not allow those teams that would be ready before November 7th start their season a week or even a two earlier? Using a food analogy, starting on November 7th is like going to Outback Steakhouse and ordering a massive ribeye steak only to have the waiter bring you an Outback burger with fries saying that they're all out of steak. You won't mind eating the burger and you're thankful for it, but you can't help but wonder if that's the best they could do. Fight on and win, Steve and Patway.
1: Hey, Steve. Uh, I think you need to work on your food analogy, first of all. Like, if you're going to talk about, like, Missing out I think on the that's steak.
2: That's a fine analogy, Ryan.
1: But Outback Steakhouse, I'm not thinking like, oh, I want a great ribeye from Outback. Like, I, you know, you can maybe bloom a onion want, or something. Yeah,
2: that's what I'll say. You wanted a blooming onion and they b- brought you a salad. How yeah, about? okay.
1: That's, I think that's better. Cause like if you're at Mastro's and they're like, you know, you were going to get the ribeye, okay, that's cool. And then you get a, a burger or something. But I'm not sure that, like the ribeye and the burger are that far off at a place like Outback. Like if you're talking like Sizzler or something, I don't know. Um, But anyway, I don't want to be overly critical of your food analogy. I get your point.
2: He tried. He tried. (laughs) I do.
1: I get your point, which is that's what the whole point of an analogy is. Um, so for me, this is, I, I wouldn't mind this to be honest. I don't think the PAC 12 would have allowed it for one. The other thing is USC needed to, would have had to schedule it, uh, right away. And they would have had to start fall camp, uh, you know, last week and not coming up this week. What if, you know, BYU's like added to their schedule, North Dakota State, I think only played one or two games or something, and they have an NFL prospect at uh at quarterback, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be a great opportunity. Like an Arizona State could have done it easy. Like they you know, you could have seen that happen. But my thought would be this was not something that the Pac twelve was going to allow. And seeing that USC's in California and it took so long to fix all that cohort stuff. Um, I just don't know if it, that would have been feasible, even if it was something that was permitted uh, by the PAC 12 for me, like if I'm the commissioner and there was a way to, you know, Colorado was practicing early, even though Boulder shut things down, Arizona state was Arizona, like for those schools, that if they could play a, an FCS sp- squad or something early, I think that'd be great. Now, some of the, you know, other schools in the PAC 12 would cry foul because they wouldn't have that opportunity, but uh, I I like it, Steve. I just don't think it was going to be feasible, and I don't think the Pac-12 would have allowed it.
2: Yeah, I think just from a California standpoint, it was just not—they're way too strict and had to be convinced just to move the co- cohort number, let alone, hey, let's add in a random team. Um, but I think it's important to remember, and this is a sense I got from talking to a source— these decisions were made at the president, C, uh, the CEO group level, so presidents and chancellors. This wasn't like ADs kind of thinking, ooh, how can we spice up the schedule? It was the Pac-12 higher-ups that really wanted to uh, make sure there was unity. That's the sense that I got. The, the Pac-12 presidents and, and chancellors really wanted uh, to do everything together. I know there were some debates in the actual meetings as to can some teams start October 31st, can some teams start November 7th, and ultimately they decided on unity. So, I mean if they don't even want teams to start on different weeks, they definitely didn't want a team to go outside of the conference and play someone not in the conference. So it was just a non-starter based on, I think even in the way that we didn't really see any leaks to the media, this was a, a group that really wanted to appear unified. And so if you had any straggler kind of do their own thing schedule wise, I don't think it would have gone over well.
1: Yeah. And and uh, all good points, Keely. And I think Steve, you're pointing out a problem and the solution was, hey, could USD do something more? Really the the solution was the Pac Twelve needed to act faster. And John Wilner did a good piece on this, how many days were wasted between the time that the Pac Twelve figured out they could do daily testing to the time they did something about it. And to me, and everyone I talked to, sources of the Pac twelve was, yeah, they sat on their hands. They were sort of happy with the situation of starting later with the Big Ten and didn't realize, didn't just didn't read the room, didn't read the situation to figure out that the big 10 was going to move forward and almost like they didn't want to believe it and they weren't acting on it. And then, then you had to act on it late. You had a CEO meeting that could have had a vote and a week later you had to vote. So you've, you've lost a week or two or even more easier, like easy. And I think that's the solution where it wouldn't just be, Hey, USC adds BYU. It would be the PAC 12 plays eight or nine games instead of like what the big tens doing instead of seven.
2: Yeah. And, and the thing to go back to is that this, these are academic types that are not thinking, Hey, what's going to make the most attractive schedule? You know, I was warned that even now with this seven game schedule, the Pac-12 CEO group might just pull the plug if things don't go the way they want to, as far as COVID numbers and whatnot. So it just, it's just, there's such a different mindset That even coming back to play football at some point is kind of a large hurdle for them. So I think your point stands correct, Ryan, about the whole, you know, they really just waited around until really USC was like, hey, why are we standing around? So I don't think they're very they're in a mindset to be innovative and trying to add other teams, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Well, we have one last email, and it's from our buddy Dan, class of 1962. He says, Hi, Ryan and Keeley. It looks like the SEC has received its fondest wish with the new rankings, with almost every SEC team in the rankings, and no Big Ten or Pac-12 teams due to their inactivity. This would be the year for the playoffs to be eight teams with each major conference champion in the playoffs and three at-large teams. Larry Scott is so unimaginative when it comes to football leadership. Look at Major League Baseball and the interest in the playoffs with 16 teams involved. College football is becoming a joke because of of sec greed and the same four schools in the playoffs every year. Why even have a championship fight on and win Dan class of 1962.
1: Hey Dan, Larry Scott did go and try to expand it this year. And I've, I've had arguments on Twitter uh, from our podcast of champions stuff, the PAC 12 podcast I do where there's a lot of Pacific Northwest fans. uh, Even David Woods, my co-host, that don't think expanding is the right move. They say, uh, just the PAC 12 needs to get better, which I, it's true. Like these teams need to be better that the LA schools need to lead, not be, you know, you can't have USC being five and seven, and expect the PAC 12 to be thought of as uh, a relevant conference. It's just not going to work that way. But Larry Scott tried at least now he didn't do it publicly. He did it behind the scenes. He was asked about it. He could have made a, a case in public. I think would have been more effective than, you know, asking about it and, he really was only asked about it, and we don't know if this was the reason why. But when he was called out by the media, and like Andy Staples wrote a piece of why Larry Scott is dumb for not trying to expand the playoff, um, you know, so he's at least done something uh, for this. But I would say the rankings are gonna, you know, they're gonna figure that'll get figured out. Having the Big Twelve explode doesn't help the rankings because basically now you only have two conferences, the ACC, which looks better. I mean, Notre Dame looks better. Miami looks better. So you have some, like, comrades for Clemson to, you know, beat up on maybe that would be decent. But the SEC is like, you know, they've gone out there and Alabama's look good and Georgia's look good and Florida's look good. Now, they've had some teams get upset like LSU, but they have plenty of really good teams. Uh, will that – will they sort of eat each other a little bit more that you have 10 conference games in the SEC instead of eight? I think that could – Happen, but you need some of the upsets that we've seen early in the Big Twelve. Having you know Mike Leach beat LSU, Mississippi State, that was good. But you knew LSU was going to you know was losing a lot this year. They weren't projected to be one of the powers like Florida or Georgia or Alabama. Were. Those were the projected massive powers in in the SEC, and they've all looked good. So um, what if you know what if uh, Lane Kiffin can upset? Nick Saban, like that will cause some chaos. And then you can see some weird stuff in the rankings, but until the big 10 joins, um, it's basically basically to be a Southern thing right now. It's a regional sport in a lot of aspects, the sec and the ACC, the big 12 had a shot cause they were in there, but the, you know, Texas loses Oklahoma's own two in conference. Like, come on, you can't have stuff like that happen, uh, and, and be taken seriously. But that is an opportunity for the pack 12. If you get a little bit more chaos and Oregon or USC or somebody, Goes undefeated, you could at least make the argument. But they needed some chaos, and the Big 12 sort of almost taking themselves out of it right now. I think only Oregon State, I mean uh, Oklahoma State's undefeated there. Uh, I think that helps. But I wouldn't worry about the rankings right now. It's all screwed up until all the rest of the teams come in, and even then, you know, you're going to be ca- comparing uh, an SEC team that's played 10 games with like a, a Pac-12 team that's played six at the time. Like that's going to be a lot tougher to do.
2: Yeah, I'm all for chaos, Ryan. I think that will be fun. But Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Kansas State are undefeated right now in the Big Twelve. Um, oh, they are. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But just to circle back to the Larry Scott point, the thing is, is like I was told from a source that like USC had kind of asked, you know, because there was this triangle of communication between, you know. Gavin Newsom's office, Larry Scott, and USC's athletic department. And so Larry Scott and USC's athletic department were in communication with one another, and USC tried to push for Larry Scott to go to the CFP uh, committee and say, hey, can we expand the playoffs? If not, can we at least push the the final committee meeting back a couple weeks to give some more breathing room, maybe for a bye week or to add another team or, you know, to figure out more things within the Pac-12. And Larry Scott from this source did not sound very interested in doing so. And that was so that was from a, a private standpoint. And then publicly when Andy Staples asked about it, he just didn't seem like, he was wor- he really wanted to go to the, the committee and, and pound his fist on the table for his conference. you know So it's just I, you know and I can't confirm that's a USC source saying that so they might be biased, but it just doesn't seem like Larry Scott is really pushing the conference obviously to where it needs to be.
1: No, I get you. And uh, real quick, yeah, uh, Iowa State's undefeated in the big you know, in, the, in the big 12 but they lost to Louisiana, La- Louisiana Lafayette in the first game. So that, you're out. You don't lose to Louisiana. And then
2: I was looking at conference rankings. You're right. Sorry about yeah, that.
1: Kansas state beat Oklahoma. They beat Texas tech, but they also lost to Arkansas state. So yeah, like that's the kind of chaos you want. You want the team to lose to a Sun Belt team or whatever the heck Arkansas state is, and then go out and beat Oklahoma. And if you can get some of that in the sec, you know, a Vanderbilt beat somebody or, you know, Mississippi state beat LSU. That's a pretty good one. Then they lose to Arkansas the next week. But like if Lane Kiffin, you know, Ole Miss is able to take down Alabama at some point, like that's good. Cause Ole Miss is going to lose some games. They've lost some, you know, but you want some of that chaos if you just have it. So Alabama stomps everyone, Georgia stomps everyone except Alabama and like Florida stomps everyone except Georgia. It's then it's kind of like, all right, well now you got all these like nine and one teams and, um, you know, that's going to be tough to overcome. I don't think a 7-0 Pac-12 team would overcome something like that. There's going to be two SEC teams in there. But if Alabama gets an extra loss or two because they're playing these extra conference games, I think that makes a big deal. That make, makes a big difference.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And that's what makes this season so interesting. You're going to see the SEC. Will they cannibalize itself like we have seen year after year with the Pac-12? Who knows? Yeah. But the chaos will be interesting to watch.
1: We need some chaos, and you know, you're not obviously not rooting for COVID outbreaks, but you know, I was listening to Stuart Mandel and uh, Bruce Feldman today, and Bruce Feldman thought that a you know an Oregon or a USC undefeated could have a chance as long as there's some chaos, like we've seen in the Big Twelve. Stuart Mandel was a little had a little more pessimistic view. He was like, unless a whole bunch of games are canceled in those other conferences, it's yeah. really gonna be tough to say, you know, eight and two, uh, you know, Georgia. Is not better than seven and zero USC or seven and zero Oregon, and I, you know. So I, I get what he's saying, but man, it's just the number of games. Uh, there's a disadvantage there being in the Pac-12, and and there's a disadvantage on the COVID side too, because even though you're starting later, there's no margin for error. You're cramming mm-hmm. them all in in seven weeks. The Big Ten is cram- cramming them in in nine weeks. Where the SEC, if you get a game canceled or two. You got buys. You can figure that out and fix it. There's no time to fix that. So if there's a late outbreak, I think you're you you are insulated a little bit by saying we're starting later and we can kind of figure out how other teams are doing it and how this is working. But if there's some kind of late outbreak that's across the country, the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 are in a better spot than what the Pac-12 or the Big 10 would be in.
2: Yeah, exactly. And your argument for the Pac-12 team rests on them making it to seven games and like we said at the start of the pod we really don't know what the season's gonna look like you just don't know and so I mean you could see a team with five games you know and that you definitely can't argue that to a team who's played eight or nine games you know so it'll be interesting it'll be a long shot for for the Pac-12 team depending on how things go but interesting nonetheless
1: yeah well let's um we need to do some position previews or, or at least you know offense defense special teams previews we'll try to do some of those in the podcast Uh, I'll put Keely on the job of like, you know, writing some stuff up for me and that will be good. Uh, (laughs) since I do all the work on the podcast of champions, I'm like, Oh, let Keely do a little of this, but we'll come together. Um, and so if you have any questions, great place to put the questions are on, uh, the Apple podcasting app where you're leaving the reviews, any kind of questions for the offense, defense, special teams, we'll try to work out uh, a bunch of previews over the next few weeks and camp will be starting this week and we'll let you know as soon as we know, how that's going to go, what we can do, how it's going to be covered, and we'll be uh, we'll be all over that. And then, of course, game previews and recaps and our live show. We're we're moving to Wednesday nights right now, so we'll have it there. We'll see if that changes at all during the season. But I think for now, uh, having everyone come up on a Wednesday night, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, uh, that should be fun. So we we did it last week; it was well received. I think so. We'll uh, we'll keep it going that way for at least a little bit.
2: Yep. Sounds good. We have football to talk about, Ryan. I'm excited. Practice starts Friday. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Let's do it. All right. That's Keely Orr. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping
0: at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business.